There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good evening, my friends. Another week, another dollar, hopefully several dollars. And uh, boy, what a bull market. It really is powerful. It's uh, mind-boggling. And it continues. Throughout the summer, the volatility uh, has not been with us for six to eight months. We have not seen a 5% market correction uh, since March. Uh, One certainly is overdue, but uh, again, the trend is your friend. The trend is uh, from lower left to upper right. Uh, The sentiment is weakness should be purchased. And well, I'm going to stick with that plan and bring us some weakness. We're here to build wealth with you, and we're here to help you build wealth. Uh, Building wealth takes time, Uh, and uh, the quote from last week shall be repeated right here, right now, and that is, being poor is hard, becoming wealthy is hard. Choose your hard, and I'm choosing the latter to help you become wealthy. We can do it together. Uh, It requires time, it requires patience, it requires vision, Um, and we all know time flies, believe it or not, uh, 10, 20, 30 years uh, does fly by. And if you stick to a program for that period of time, uh, the fruit will be so delicious uh, and so bountiful, more than you ever expected. Uh, you know, years ago, uh, the, the mantra uh, in Canada, and I'm speaking now in the 80s, uh, was that you have to plan for your own retirement because CPP would not be there for us. There were too many um, benefactors, not enough contributors. We have been living longer, therefore we have been retired longer, drawing on this plan. Um, And as such, the plan had to get revitalized uh, or uh, suffer the perils of, shall I say, uh, poor management. Um, Niels Veldhaus, he's a president uh, at the Fraser Institute. Uh, We've got a heavyweight guest here today. I'm very excited about this. Uh, I came across Niels through... uh, a piece uh, written by our former chairman, uh, Mr. Peter Brown, uh, speaking about the Canada Pension Plan, uh, the issues with it, uh, and and some ideas to help improve it. Uh, This really hit a nerve with me, uh, friends at home and Niels, because about three years ago, I I wrote a piece um, uh, about the the Canada Pension Plan, and I I, I headlined it, CPP is a scam. Uh, we'll, We'll begin with, if you go to the CPP website, the government positions it as a benefit, it is a benefit that they are giving to you. And that is utter nonsense because it is not a benefit. It is something that you and your employer have been contributing to since 1965 when the plan was created. Um, the amount of money you put into the plan, if you begin working today and work for a 40 year period between yourself and your employer, the maximum you can contribute into the CPP plan is uh, about $6,000 per year. Assuming things remain the same, $240,000 over your lifetime. That's a lot of money. Uh, How long does it take to get the money back if you retire at 65? To get even without factoring in inflation, it's 17 years. Call it 18 years. Uh, That puts you into the age of 82, 83. Die before then, you lose the money. Live beyond then, okay, you benefit a little bit. But then I did a, a comparison. What if you took the same contributions and invested it and saved it yourself? Uh, so that'd be $6,000 invested over a 40-year period. Jack, you ran the numbers for me this morning. I think we used an 8% return. 
that same amount of money, if directed yourself, properly managed by the Wolf on Bay Street or uh, the uh, advisor of choice, if they can generate an 8% return, that'd be $1.6 million versus a pension value that we're going to get of $14,000 a month. These numbers frustrate the bejeebies out of me. So Peter Brown's article really got my attention. I said, I have to speak to Niels of the Fraser Institute, see if we can't bring him on the show. And Niels, I can't thank you enough for joining me. Uh, your, your, your resume uh, is as heavy as it gets. <laughs> uh, top 40 under 40, uh, according to a, a business in Vancouver. Uh, I'd like to have you on this evening. Thank you very kindly for joining us. Well, th thanks for having me, uh, Wolfgang, and um, uh, love, love to be on the show. Uh, you know, you started off uh, by, by saying that getting wealthy is hard. I, I'm a former academic. I, I taught economics for a long time. And, uh, you know, my folks who were immigrants uh, to Canada with four young kids in, in 1981 always taught us that uh, getting wealthy, wealthy is, is relatively simple. Uh, you have to learn compound interest. You have to start young. You have to get advice, uh, investment advice uh, along the way, and you have to have patience. And if you have those four things, uh, then anyone, regardless of uh, what their salary is, can get wealthy over a long period of time. And uh, really, that's, uh, I think, a message that more young kids need to hear today. Well, that's the message that Jack and I have been sharing with the Hi-Fi audience uh, since the beginning of the show. Uh, we, we've seen it firsthand, Niels, with our clients. I've been practicing for 20 years now on Bay Street. And when I look at my original clients 20 years ago, how much wealth they have. To, one of my clients said to me just the other day, he said, Wolf, I can't believe how rich I am. I don't know what to do with myself. These big numbers frighten me. I, I couldn't believe what he was saying, but he, he really meant it. Uh, if you stick to a plan, I truly believe you can become richer than you think. And I'm stealing a cliche from one of the big banks, but uh, I'm spinning it differently. I'm spinning, I think, the way you should spin it. But this takes us over now to the Canada pension plan. Uh, Niels, I have a problem with it. I have a real problem. I have a number of problems with it. Um, and it goes back, and, and the problems stem from the inception of the CPP when it was created in 1965. And we can't seem to buck this trend because we, we, we began behind the eight ball from day one because when the plan was announced, if you were retired, you automatically at age 65 received yourself a pension from those people who were working. So the workers were paying the retirees. The retirees at that point in time never put a dime into it and the system worked. Life expectancy, by the way, back then was many years less than it is today. I'm, I'm guessing about seven to eight years less. And in fact, life expectancy, when the first retirement plan, Niels, was created, which was created by a German uh, roughly 100 years ago, life expectancy then was 66. So you worked to 65, you had one year of retirement, and you were dead. Society can handle you for one year, but they can't take care of you for 25 and 30 years. So again, you know, speak to what I'm talking about here in terms of the, uh, the the way it was created. Is there any hope to truly change the system to make it you know, more empowering to the individual and, and, and hence, I think, more beneficial to the individual? Or are we still fucking the plan as is? You know, Wolf, like you, I'm, I'm really frustrated with the Canada Pension Plan, particularly the expansion of the Canada Pension Plan, which we are, um, which is underway right now. I, I think just even a lot of workers don't understand that um, they started this year with a pretty major tax increase. Uh, the, the Canada Pension Plan tax rate increased from 10.5 to, to 10.9, and it's on its way to 11.9 by, by 2023. And the, the problem with the CPP and the problem with these kinds of plans is 
it, it sounded great uh, during inception, you know, in, in, in the 1960s when you had a huge pool of young workers and a very small pool of retirees, you, you know, you could take a little bit of money from all those workers and give it to the retirees. You know, and it was a, it, it was a pay-as-you-go uh, system, right? Because the, the current benefits were paid by current workers, and it made sense then. But they got all of the assumptions wrong, and that's the problem, because the demographics completely flipped, right? And we're heading into a time now where we've got a shrinking pool of workers and a, and a massive pool of retirees, and that's why they've had to dramatically jack the the CPP tax rate, uh, and that's what they did in in, in 1997. I, and again, I, I think there's all kinds of problems with the CPP, and one of the reasons why I was uh, against the expansion, uh, and you mentioned a couple of them. You know, you, Canadians don't have access uh, to the funds that they are contributing. They don't have access to them if they're in financial hardship. They don't have access to them if they're going through a, a medical event. Um, that they may need some 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 extra money. Uh, it's not as though uh, their their CPP contributions go to someone they love uh, when they when they pass away. Uh, and there, so there's all kinds of problems. Uh, in addition to that, of course, the the return that Canadians are getting on the CPP is very very low. And I think there's a lot of confusion about this. I think there's a lot of confusion between the Canada Pension Plan and the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board, which invest and manage some of the funds uh, that get saved there to help us through this demographic uh, transition that we're, we're going to go through. And the, the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board, you know, you'll hear stories of, you know, the average rates of return over the last 10 years has, has been 8%. It's gone down over the last five years at 6%. Um, and then Canadians kind of think, well, geez, I'm, I'm doing all right with respect to my, my, my CPP. But the reality is, and you mentioned this off the top, if you look at contributions that we contribute over our entire working lives, and then you look at what you get back, and you mentioned that in 17 years do you get payback, and you know the average life expectancy at, at 65 uh, is is around 20 years. So you're getting a, a small rate of return. You're getting about you know for those who were born after 1972, you're getting about 2.1 percent rate of return on your Canada pension plan uh, taxes, and. I think if most Canadians went to their financial advisor and said, uh, what am I getting in terms of rates of return? And the advisor said, well, you're getting 2.1%. Uh, that advisor would be promptly fired. And that's part of the problem. I, there's much better models around the world. And uh, that's one of the, the main things that, that I think Canadians need to be educated on is that we can have a, a different model that other countries use that provide much higher rates of return and much more flexibility. Give us an example. And by the way, if you're just tuning into the show, uh, we are talking about uh, retirement planning and we're talking about the various nest eggs that one has to help retirement. And the government pension plan, the Canada pension plan that you contribute to, my friends, and that your boss, your employer contributes to as well on a 50-50 basis is what builds this plan. Uh, but before we go forward, and we're speaking with Niels uh, Veldhaus, he's the president of the Fraser Institute. Uh, indeed, a big guest today. Delighted to have you on the show, Niels. Um, but you also spoke about the tax. I want you to explain to the audience a little further, because uh, there, there's a maximum threshold of, of income, but the 10.5% the uh, CPP tax going up to a 10.9%. Explain what the how that works and what base of salary that's based on, so the audience truly appreciates the tax that they're paying. Yeah, so so uh, eventually the, the CPP tax will hit 11.9%. Um, that's that's on your income 
um, between uh, 3,500, so you don't pay uh, if you don't make 3,500, uh, all the way up to $61,600. Uh, and so, as you noted, um, the maximum contribution currently is uh, $6,300. Uh, and um, that's every single year of our working lives. And, and most of us are, are probably going to work for about 40 years. Uh, all indications are that's going to be substantially longer uh, as the demographics uh, change and as people age, they're, they're healthier and, and will, will work longer. Uh, and then you're getting uh, about $14,000 uh, a year when you retire. So it takes a long time uh, to pay back the contributions that you've made. Uh, Niels, again, I wanted to make sure the audience truly – look, you're, people need to understand that the biggest expense in life is taxes. Uh, and certainly if you listen to the show and you're building wealth, your largest expense in life will be cumulatively taxes. If you make $60,000 a year, the CPP tax, I'm assuming, works something to this effect. 11% of $60,000 of $60, of income is uh, $6,600. You pay half that, your employer pays half that. So if you make sixty dollars you're going to automatically give the government over three grand for CPP. Then you're going to pay income tax of another I don't know, 30% on that, <laughs> your 60 becomes 40 pretty quick. Um, and that is not a way to build wealth. Again, the amount of unused RSP contribution, uh, again, frustrates me because Canadians are, it's getting sliced and diced. I can see why they have no money left to put aside for RSP contribution. But again, to save 30% in tax, you have to try to do it. We speak with Niels Veldhaus, president of the Fraser Institute. Um, he's going to share with us uh, after the commercial break some models that uh, may be an enhancement or improvement to the CPP that exists uh, on Mother Earth. Stay tuned. It's Hi-Fi Radio, Global News 640, Toronto. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show, my friends. I really should have given you some Rolling Stones in memory of Charlie Watts. We'll have to commemorate him in our next hit. Um, maybe that's what we have to do. We have to think like Charlie Watts, eh, Jack? And continue to Absolutely. work. <laughs> Absolutely. He's a guy that had a lot of passion for his job, that's for sure. He, you know, he he really was, and he's being um, so well represented right now. What a gentleman he was, and uh, he, he he was in it for the true love of music. May may you, my friends at home, uh, find passion in life, uh, so that it is no longer a job, and you can continue to do it uh, with pleasure, and then you don't need to worry as much uh, about the uh, building of wealth. But if you do both, you're better off. Build wealth, manage taxes. Um, it, it's just really uh, the right thing to do, and we're here to help teach you to do that and do it better. Uh, Niels Veldhaus, he's with the uh, Fraser Institute. He's the president of it. Um, uh, very, very learned individual. Uh, uh, Well-spoken. Uh, you're an author. Uh, boy, uh, it's a delight to have you on the show, uh, Niels. Um, Please, if you don't mind, share with us some models, some some government pension models that work a lot better, uh, and give us perhaps some hope that we can, uh, or, or some political hope that we can actually change the CPP uh, and, and make it fair for 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 all. Yeah, well, uh, well, I personally think that the Australian model deserves uh, a lot of attention. Um, Australia has a system of mandatory individual retirement savings accounts, so. Um, Australians are required to contribute nine and a half percent of uh, their 
their salaries into individually held retirement accounts. And, and I have to stress the individually held. Um, these are managed by individuals. You, you can pick your, your asset manager. Um, and so, you know, it allows, uh, it allows individuals to really determine um, what kind of investment strategy uh, they want. You know, some people want to support uh, the oil sands in, in Alberta, and so you could develop a strategy that, that allows you to do that. Other people don't want to uh, support uh, communist regimes, so it allows you to do that. It's just more power in, the, in individual hands. And because it's individually held, uh, people can withdraw from those funds if they're having some, some really difficult times. You can uh, transfer those funds lump sum, and this is huge, I think, transfer those, all the funds lump sum tax-free to your dependent up, upon your death. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, if, you, if you look at what can be generated in the market with good advice and a good advisor um, relative to what we're getting from the CPP, again, from the CPP, uh, the, the average is 2.1% for those born after 1972. Uh, you could do a lot better uh, if, you, uh, if you had those uh, funds to invest yourself in an individually held account with lots more flexibility. And so um, that's, that's uh, a, a, an example, a real world example of something that uh, I think we need to look at and to move to. And I think uh, Canadians would be largely sympathetic to that, to have more control, to have more flexibility, to have higher rates of return, to allow people to be able to access those funds if they're going through a really hard time, and to allow some generational transfers, which none of which the CPP right now uh, offers us. So, so Neil, yeah. if you look at that, if you look at that model, uh, you know the average Canadian is right now receiving seven hundred dollars a month. Uh, from CPP, if they're re actually receiving the checks, the most you can get is about twelve hundred. Um, so, what are what's the average Australian receiving on a, a monthly pension um, that they've managed? Well, I I, I don't have uh, the the average in front of me, um, but certainly when when you look at uh, the twelve hundred dollars a month, and that's that's generating that has generated two point one percent rate of return over, over the entirety of of the CPP uh, if you're born after nineteen seventy two. Um, surely in the private markets, uh, uh, people would do better. Uh, I mean, even putting it into, into something like an index fund, um, you, the, you, the average person would, would have materially more than $1,200 a month uh, to, uh, to spend in their retirement. And, and I think that's the, the main highlight is that um, really when you devise schemes like the CPP, which again is, is a pay-as-you-go system, and I think Canadians have to be aware of that, largely your current taxes are paying for current retirees. This is not held in a fund in your name. Uh, it doesn't provide you with the, with the flexibility. Uh, and that's why I was so uh, against the, one of the reasons I, I was so against the expansion of the, the CPP uh, that the, uh, the federal liberals initiated a, a few years ago. Yeah, the yeah that, that was a frightening point without question. But again, I want to remind the audience about the math behind this. The CPP, uh, over your lifetime, between you and your employer, you will be putting in $240,000. It takes 17 years just to get that money back. And when you receive it back, you're receiving back a deflated dollar. So you're not even getting back purchasing power. So I, I'm going to argue it's even lower than, than 2%. And certainly if you don't live to age 82, uh, there's a shortfall. Uh, and, and that too is frustrating. There's some spousal transfer if you pass away, but only if your spouse was falling below the CPP max, which again is very frustrating because you've contributed to it. Your employer contributed to it, and if your wife was also, or your spouse was a full-time employee, there's no room to transfer. There's nothing left. Versus investing it yourself, 
uh, you end up with $1.6 million at an 8% return. That's just rough math, and I think that's a very realistic number. Uh, the TSX has performed better. The bond market has performed better in, in, in over the, the last 40 years. So $1.6 million at, at, at age 65. But then, Niels and Jack, what kind of a what kind of an income can I generate with 1.6 million dollars today? Even two percent, Niels, is thirty-two thousand dollars, which is double the CPP, and I still have 1.6 million dollars at the estate level. Like it, it, it is. It, the numbers are astounding, and, and again, I'm getting excited, but it really, really frustrates me. And I, I, I honestly am pessimistic. I don't think the system is going to really change that much. I think they're going to increase the quote-unquote uh, uh, cost. The, the tax on it from from 10.5 to 10.9 and, and probably higher um so I, I view this unfortunately as another tax which means that's just that much less money in my pocket which means i have to work a little harder and invest a little smarter to make up the shortfall some things you just can't change jack's famous line is wolf stop screaming at the sky you, you, you come across like a crazy person well, I, I think I'm a little more optimistic. I think there is going to be an opportunity for change. I'm not sure it will help you and I, but but I do believe once we get through this trans, this demographic transition uh, that we're going through, there's going to be uh, there's going to be a change in the demographics, which will allow for a whole host of different policy changes, including changing our our pension uh, plan. And I think that's going to require a transition. But wouldn't it be great to set the next generation up for huge success with individually held accounts that they can maximize? get them invested in their own wealth. Uh, and uh, like you said, right from the top, uh, if, if you just allow them to do that, they will become wealthy uh, over time and have a, a massive fund, an individually held fund uh, that, uh, that will support them and their families in retirement, in times of hardship. Uh, and, uh, and really, that's, I, I think, what we have to, uh, to try and push for. Yeah, but what you're talking about, Niels, which again gets down to you know, a step below vaccination. Uh, and again, I... I <laughs> You've basically, the Australians are forcing the uh, employees to put money into a self-directed RSP, for, 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 for lack of a better phrase. They're, they're forcing them, which I, I don't like the idea of forcing people to do things, but some people perhaps need to be forced and, and, and co co uh, coerced into it. Uh, but certainly, if, if, if listeners are paying attention to what Jack and I have been speaking about, and our guests have been speaking about now for almost five years uh, on this show, is you are empowered to do it yourself. There's a vehicle called an RSP that we're not even maximizing uh, to this day. Get started, take advantage of it, reduce your tax payable, uh, and build yourself the $1.6 million I'm referring to. Uh, how do you do that? You got to save $6,000 a year, friends at home. Do that for a 40 year period at 8%, and the, and, and the compounding uh, kicks in. Uh, and again, Niels, it's amazing. And, and Jack, uh, we our, our favorite. Uh, 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 logo. In fact, we should we should almost uh, steal the Nike swoosh because uh, the look of the swoosh is very similar to the parabolic nature of compounding wealth. Uh, and you know what I'm talking about, Niels. After about 25 years, you get a real change in the slope of the line, and all of a sudden, there's just so much wealth falling off the tree. And again, ultimately, we have to do it ourselves. That's sort of the the, the camp I sit in, uh, Niels. 60 seconds or less could give us your final thoughts on it yeah well i'm, I'm like you I, I i don't like compelling people or forcing people uh to save but if i compare the australian model versus the canadian model i'll take the australian model any day uh, forcing people to save 9.5 uh, percent, but then putting it into a privately held account 
where Canadians have the flexibility, can manage their own money, uh, and pass it on to their uh, loved ones and dependents uh, if uh, they unfortunately pass away, to me seems like a, a system that is much better than the one that we have and, and deserves to be looked at very closely. Um, Neil, tell me something, being that you are an economic advisor, uh, could, could you perhaps, um, after the break, speak to uh, the advice you'd be given to the government, uh, global governments, as they've taken on so much debt and basically have, have become a, a position of handing out checks, uh, which is about to stop? Uh, uh, did you have time for that? Oh, absolutely. I'd be delighted to stay on. Great. Uh, you listen to Hi-Fi Radio, Global News, 640 in Toronto. We're going to get back with Niels. Uh, he's the president of the Fraser Institute. Uh, a lot of debts been mounting. He's going to give us some, give the government some advice as to how they can deal with that problem before it becomes a bigger problem. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. There we go. There's a little Charlie Watts beat for us. Uh, rest in peace, pal. Yet style, yet style, yet style. Yes, indeed. Well, it is, you know, style supersedes substance, and well, the substance matters as well. Uh, investment style, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a funny one uh, to discuss, uh, but it's all about making money. You got to choose a style that works. And uh, uh, Niels Veldhaus, he's the president of the Fraser Institute. Uh, we were speaking about the Canada Pension Plan. Um, he's with the Fraser Institute and named one of Vancouver's top 40 under 40. Uh, very, very learned individual. Uh, in terms of government advice, uh, read a, I think a real key cross point in, in, in time uh, with the amount of global debt that has been mounting and mounting, uh, Niels. Uh, from an economic point of view, from your point of view, is it sustainable? Are we on? Have we done the right thing? Uh, and and it, at some point, it's got to stop and, and, and reverse course. Niels, how do you advise the governments to deal with this? Yeah, I mean, I I think the the answer to your question is, can it go on forever? The answer is absolutely no. And and one of the things that I've been frustrated with with this federal election campaign is that there's not one party taking this seriously. I mean, the federal Debt is expected to exceed $2 trillion by 2024. That's up from $1.3 trillion uh, last year. And that doesn't include all the promises that the, the, the parties are making on the campaign trail. I mean, our fiscal situation is in dire straits. Uh, and the, the parliamentary budget officer uh, said that status quo, we won't see a balanced budget until 2070, another 50 years. I mean, the, the, the legacy that we're passing on to the next generation is, is massive, and we are putting ourselves at risk because if interest rates go up, that debt wedge, the interest cost is going to increase substantially, and we're going to put ourselves right back to where we were in the mid-1990s. And you guys will probably remember, in the mid-1990s, the Wall Street Journal called Canada an honorary member of the third world because of our debt problem. And they called Canada bankrupt. And, and I think that's where we're headed to. If we don't change course and interest rates tick up, we are 
in a, in a lot of a lot of trouble. So, um, you know, my message to Canadians and my message to the to parties is we, we need to start taking this debt issue very seriously. Well, again, and Jack and I scratch our head continuously about this. Um, if a Canadian household managed its budget the way a government manages its budget, it would be bankrupt in a matter of years. Like two, three years, you'd be bankrupt. Now, Governments, of course, the, the, the Economics 101 have the ability to tax the people. Uh, okay, Robin Hood, let's tax the rich once again. Uh, but again, how much more can they tax, you know, our listeners? Um, <laughs> and uh, you, even, you haven't even factored in the provincial debt uh, on top of the, the federal debt. But again, this is the, a game that's taking place globally. So we're not doing it on our own. And so does that make it okay? If everyone's playing the same game internationally, does that make it okay? Uh, absolutely does not, but uh, everyone is playing it, but Canada is playing this much more dangerously. We had the highest level of deficit as a percentage of GDP uh, through the through the pandemic, um, and we didn't get the economic results to, to match that, un unfortunately. Uh, but this is a this is a major problem. Of course, uh, the 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 uh, Bank of Canada is buying a significant amount of, of government bonds. That obviously is is uh, leading to inflationary pressures. Uh, just another way to tax uh, people's wealth, uh, of course. Uh, and uh, again, sure. th th we need to solve this problem because if we don't, uh, this is going to be uh, a dev devastating devastatingly uh, uh, impactful for, for the next generation. I'm really worried about uh, what's going to come as a result of uh, the massive debts that, we've, uh, that the government has, has built up. So, Niels, what, well, what are some of the solutions yeah. that, you, that you would recommend uh, to, you know, to deal with these structural deficits? Because obviously a lot of debt was taken on to fight COVID, and now some of the, the, that debt remains and some of that stuff becomes structural. So what, what types of proposals would you make to government to say, you know, we, we'd have to rein this in? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, governments are looking at the tax side. Um, you know, we, we've heard for years now, we've heard rumors of, of capital gains tax, wealth taxes. You saw uh, one, of the, one of the parties, the Liberal parties, in, in, announced that they're going to tax uh, banks, which, by the way, uh, is just really another tax on average families, because guess who holds the majority of bank stocks? It's all of us through our pension funds. Um, but that... That is really the wrong way to deal with the problem. And I think your analogy of bringing it back to the household is, is really great. Look, if, if a household is spending 25% more than it's bringing in, what advice would you give that household? <laughs> it's simple. Stop Pretty spending. Simple. You've got to deal with your spending. And that's deal with the it. government. You have to deal with your spending. You have to rein in spending. And you know, one of the great things about Canada is we've been there before. It's not as though we have to come up with a strategy in theory. We just have to look back to 1995. Look, when, when Jean Chrétien and Paul Martin decided we're going to deal with the fiscal situation in Canada, they actually dealt with it. They reduced, reduced federal spending by over 10% over two years and balanced the budget in three years. We could easily balance the federal budget today over the course of the next three to five years if we had leadership that said we're going to deal with this problem. And we've got to attack the spending side of the problem in order to get a balanced budget. Being more productive as Canadians, having policy that actually increases productivity, because if you do increase the size of the pie, uh, you do also increase that revenue stream to pay off the debt. A absolutely. So, you know, in terms of paying off the debt, 
Um, let's leave the debt where it is. Let's first not add to the debt. And then if you want to shrink the burden of the debt, the best way to do that is, as you say, let's make Canadians more productive. Let's increase our GDP. And over time, let's erode the debt to GDP ratio. But the first step is we've got to deal with our spending problem. We have to balance the budget so we don't continuously keep adding to the debt. Yeah, no, when I saw the campaign from the from the Conservative Party saying that they will balance the budget in 10 years, I gagged. I couldn't, I said, 10 years to balance your budget. Good golly, you're telling me the other party's saying uh, 2070? Uh, good golly, good golly, what a promise to make. They won't, no one will be alive. And <laughs> this incredible, Niels. <laughs> uh, indeed. Uh, Niels Veldhaus, president of the Fraser Institute, uh, a real delight to spend some time with you this evening. Uh, certainly give us a lot to think about. Uh, we will get through it together uh, as a country, uh, and uh, we've gone through more difficult times than this, but uh, it is a real issue and uh, certainly something uh, to pay attention to as we head to the ballots uh, or the polls uh, very, very soon. Uh, you have yourself a great weekend, my friend. Uh, we're going to speak with Kumail Karinji. He's an employment lawyer. Uh, again, a lot of us think I'm not going back to work or perhaps the landscape of your employment is in flux. Uh, legal advice is always in order. Uh, Kumail is a brilliant uh, employment lawyer. It's going to be interesting to hear what he has to say. Stay tuned. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Can you feel it? Well, there's an interesting mood out there. As uh, looking to reopen this beautiful city of ours and province of ours and well, the country. Uh, indeed, September is just around the corner. I don't mean to be a downer, but uh, it is indeed. And uh, I know a lot of people are rethinking employment. Uh, uh, they got uh, into a new vibe or new groove, uh, working remotely, working from home, uh, social distancing, and. The traffic jams, the commute, the this, the that. Uh, yeah, I, I know people are questioning it. Um, when it, you are your most valuable asset due to your ability to earn income. I repeat, you are your most valuable asset, which means you must guard and protect that asset. Uh, and when it comes to life-changing events, you need advice. Uh, when it comes to employment, uh, you need to speak to an employment lawyer. You just must do it every time you're about to make a change in your career, just to make sure uh, you can get all that you're looking for and you don't make any key mistakes. Uh, Kumil Karinji is a uh, mediator. Uh, he's also a lawyer, most importantly, a lawyer at uh, Karimji Law. Uh, I've known Karimji now for almost two decades and is a very, very good employment lawyer. Indeed, he is. Uh, Kumil, thank you very much for coming on to the show this evening. I hope you are well, my friend. I am. Pleasure to be here, Wolfgang. So uh, I don't know where to begin with this uh, other than you know, the, the back to work, back to the office movement is upon us. Uh, a lot of people are, you know, rethinking, uh, heading back to the office. Um, a lot of employers are saying, we did pretty well without you. Maybe we don't need you around as much or anymore. Um, please, Kumil, share with the individual at home right now the importance of getting legal advice uh, as they're, if they're in the process of thinking about a, a key change with employment. 
It's it's absolutely essential to get legal advice when when making a big change with employment. I I see that primarily as starting a new position or leaving a position, uh, whether that's voluntary or not. Those are the main circumstances in which it's extremely important to get advice and to know what your legal rights are. Uh, The COVID context, as you've alluded to as well, has just been a game changer in so many ways in relation to workplaces and how they're organized. And so we're living in a state of, it seems, uh, constant flux, new rules, uh, new requirements, uh, new expectations. And so some of those as well, I think, are are important points at which to seek some some advice and guidance uh, when an employer is implementing some changes that may be related to COVID. Well, let's, let's talk primarily dollars and cents. Um, in your experience, uh, people who have you know, s- sought your advice after the fact, after they, 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 uh, they departed and they said, you know, maybe I should have spoken to someone, how much money do you believe people leave on the table? Money, benefits, um, uh, things they never really thought about until after the fact. Yeah, it's, it's highly variable, but there are cases where people have left a lot of money behind. Uh, there are sometimes uh, general views or common sense views that people carry with them that are odds are at odds with their legal rights. And so, you know, one example is, you know, people often assume they're not entitled to variable compensation or bonus uh, post termination. And as you know, particularly in the financial services area, that may be the lion's share of an individual employee's compensation. And that's an area where people, if they don't get advice, might just accept an offer without any uh, compensation for their bonus, for the year that they've worked, for a notice period. And uh, sometimes if they've signed a release, it's too late to do anything about that after the fact. As, as you know, I've been renovating a house and I'm, I'm feeling the, the, the firsthand effects on inflation. Uh, just the other day, I had a rent a U-Haul. Um, <laughs> from Arizona is where the truck was from with uh, American plates on it and uh, driving in miles per hour, uh, had to pick up some lumber. And so I went to a central fair bank, uh, where it's, it's a fantastic lumber store up in uh, Vaughan. Uh, and the employee who served me, uh, uh, in the yard that they grab you, you hand them a ticket, you, they bring you the material. Uh, I said, good golly, you've been here a long time. And he said to me, I've been here for 43 years, uh, working on the, wow. on the dock and handing me sheets of plywood. Um, you know, I, I felt for that man because he was a hardworking man. Uh, but I said, 43 years, I wonder what it would cost this company to terminate him. Uh, can you share with us? A, a person who's been a, employed in such a job for 40 some odd years, uh, is, is it two weeks per year? Is, is it two weeks and you're gone? Round, round uh, compensation for someone like that. So that's an extraordinarily long period of service. I don't see that very often. And uh, an individual in that circumstance is, is likely an older gentleman, probably into his 60s or 70s, I would think. Yeah, he was in 63. For that long. 63, right. So uh, a person in that circumstance could get two years uh, of notice and severance. And it could even be more if uh, there are exceptional circumstances. Now, that's a pretty narrow category. And two years is the sort of standard upper cap, and then there are some unique cases that might push to a higher level. Uh, and, and that's dramatically greater than what the minimum might be in terms of compliance with employment standards legislation. 
this is this is based on court jurisprudence. Um, Kumail, please share with the audience like what what are some of the standout issues right now that that that, that are new uh, that is very very important to be aware of uh, that perhaps we're not aware of when it comes to employment and employment law and really quote unquote knowing your rights. Right. So there are a lot of new issues relating to COVID. Uh, certainly, a lot of discussion about vaccines and whether or not employers can mandate them for their employees. Certainly a lot of employers are, and uh, that's been a development that we've seen in the last 10 days or so. There's been a dramatic movement towards mandatory vaccines. That's a big issue right now. Uh, There are also issues uh, that are uh, important, equally important, relating to uh, issues of non-competition, limitations to the ability of an employer to restrict what a person might do after leaving a workplace. Bonus entitlement is another one that I've, I've flagged on. Termination is a big issue. Uh, termination clauses is a big issue as well. So th- this is relating to contracts of employment. They're not always enforceable, and courts often find them to be unenforceable in a way that's very favorable to employees. Uh, so th- that's a handful of... Uh, of kind of issues that come up and are developing as we speak. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be new issues as well with COVID and return to work and hybrid uh, work arrangements and the extent to which an employee might, after a long t- period of time of working from home, develop some kind of a right or expectation that they should have the flexibility to do that uh, in, in certain circumstances. So those are those are some of the areas that I see on the horizon. No, you're right. Uh, Kumal Krimji, uh, Krimji Law, I really appreciate your time with us this evening. Jack, as always, great job setting up the guests. Uh, friends at home, let's help you build some wealth. You tune into the show each and every Saturday night. We're here for you. If you have any questions, WolfgangKlein.com, The Wolf on Bay Street. Jack and I will get back to you. We're here for you. We love you. We thank you. Have a great weekend. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio for the love of money. We'll see you next week.